Good morning. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> we got some happy people in here. <laughs> Great. Well, it's our Come Holy Spirit series. I'm excited to get to continue. I'm our executive pastor here at the church and uh, just delighted to meet you, my family and I, whenever we can. So uh, thank you for being at church today. It's an exciting time. I want to start with a few quick announcements. Uh, first of all, Pastor Robert, we're going to see a video from him in a minute, but he's actually been out of town this week. He officiated the funeral of his beloved grandmother on Thursday, and she was a believer and had a great impact on people's lives. It really was a celebration, but they're, they're in Texas with their family right now, so you could be praying for them. It's always hard to lose somebody you love, regardless of their age or, you know, station in life, and so let's be praying for her, and Robert will be back next week to continue our series. Be praying for Robert's family. Another important note is that our director of operations tells me that plans are being finalized for us to be in Horace Mann Middle School next week. So this is exciting. Uh, we're going back to our roots. We love Crawford High School. I saw Sal, our custodian at Crawford in the back just a minute ago. We love our relationship with Crawford. We love doing ministry here, and we'll continue to do that for sure. But in this season with the construction, we feel like God's leading us to go back to our roots at Horace Mann. Now, if you get lost, really, just walk out the door and look to your left, and that's where Horace Mann is, okay? And if you still don't know what to do, just go ahead and sign up for our email list. If you don't get our regular emails, you can do that on the card and your bulletin, and we'll follow up with you and make sure that you know where church is happening next week. Um, yeah, let's, let's see a little video from Pastor Robert as he says hi to us and walks us into some transitions we're going through this morning. Hey, all people's family. Robert here in Texas as I've just had the privilege of performing my dear grandmother's funeral and... I ask you to pray for me and my family as we're in a time of grieving, but also such a sweet time of the family coming together and sharing about what a woman of God she was and getting to preach the gospel to so many people. It was an incredible time. I'll miss being with you this Sunday. I'm looking forward to seeing what God does as he moves us back to Horace Mann Middle School. And although it's an unexpected shift, we know that he has good things for us. I also want to encourage you to jump into our Mexico mission trip with us as it's just coming up in a couple of weeks. And we're expecting for God to do amazing things as we continue to serve our own church that we've started down there, All People's Tijuana. And lastly, do want to also share my love and appreciation for Blake and Lauren Slatton and the wonderful hard work they have put in to make our college group uh, such an incredible group. We'll miss them tremendously, but excited for them to go on to their next post as they move on to Oklahoma to serve as pastors there. We love them so much. I love you so much, and I'll look forward to being with you next Sunday and continuing on our series of Come Holy Spirit. God bless you, and we'll see you soon. Well, part of being a, a movement that God's birthing that's going somewhere is oftentimes there's transitions. So next week there'll be a transition with Crawford. And we also have the actual the privilege of celebrating Blake and Lauren for their transition this morning. So why don't you guys stand up? We want to give you a round of applause and honor you as a church. Um, You know, these guys pioneered our, our service on Point Loma Nazarene campus that God is just using so powerfully um, in this season, where, as Blake was the college pastor, and we are so, so excited for them. They've accepted a new post, a new position for a new church in Oklahoma City, and there are already people there waiting to be pastored, and I know they're going to be pastored very well.
because Blake and Lauren love people. They're people of integrity. And, you know, we are offering verse. I think it's, it was, it's better to give than receive. And these guys are givers, you know. They've given their lives. And so um, we just want to pray for them and send them out. So if you're around them, you could put a hand on their shoulder. And we just want to honor and bless them. You could extend a hand if you're not around. But why don't you pray like if you were getting sent out to a new assignment, how would you want people to pray? Let's pray for them. Pray blessings on their family, on their child, on their finances. Let's really bless them and honor the work that they've done. Kelly, you want to come pray over these guys on the mic? God, we thank you so much for the Slatins. Thank you so much for what you've given to us through them. God, through their lives that they've laid down for us here at All People's Church. And God, thank you that uh, still in our network of churches, they're going to go and pastor, Lord. And they're going to oversee uh, a new group of men and women coming to know you better and better and coming into the kingdom. Lord, we thank you for that. We pray that you would send them, Lord. We send them with our love, and we pray you would send them, Lord, with the power of your spirit in every way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to speak to you today on the subject, the Holy Spirit and the church. Um, I don't know what your background is in church. I, I know there's many people here that all peoples is actually their first church. That's amazing. We started this church with 10 people, so that this would be somebody's church, we just think is awesome. Uh, I know there's people that have come here from other churches that, you know, God's ignited your faith in a fresh way here for some reason. That's great. There's a lot of great churches in our city, but uh, maybe God did something special in your life when you came here. There's others that have really found family and community here. Um, well, I, I want to share a little bit of the Holy Spirit working in the church, and it's going to relate to my story. I was, I was not raised in a, in a church that really knew about the Holy Spirit. Um, we, we actually, we didn't know much about having a relationship with God, about walking with Jesus day by day about these kinds of things. It was a more formal church, a lot of Latin, a lot of sitting up and standing down, a lot of reading off different sheets, organs, uh, robes, incense, the whole nine yards. And I'm so thankful for that foundation, but um, uh, that, that wasn't a place where I had a powerful encounter with God. I heard of one church that was much like uh, the church I grew up in, a formal church, and it didn't really give much place maybe for the Holy Spirit to move or work, and, although he was obviously there. And there was a woman who had just become a Christian, and she was very excited about what she just experienced and uh, very excited about the Holy Spirit. If you've ever been around someone that just came to faith, there's just an enthusiasm, right, that's in their life. And in the middle of the service, she shouted out, hallelujah. And the ushers were standing in the back, and they came and tapped her on the shoulder, and they said, excuse me, madam, you mustn't say that here. <laughs> and, and she said, but I'm so excited. I've got religion. And then the usher said, well, you didn't get it here, ma'am. <laughs> so we don't want to be a church like that, right? <laughs> we want to be a church where the Holy Spirit can move and touch people's lives. Hallelujah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be the good service today, Joel. All right, the 11 a.m. You know, we want to be, it's too often the church has been described as predictable, unrelatable, out of touch, boring, hypocritical, and too little has the church been described as supernatural. But just think about this for a minute. We serve a God that thousands of years before he came to the earth, there were prophecies written about him. 
he somehow orchestrated that he would be born of a virgin at a particular place at a particular time. Then he lived a sinless life. Throughout the course of that life, he performed miracles. He cast out evil spirits. He healed people. He raised the dead. Then he died in a certain way that was predicted how he would die. And then after he died, if that wasn't enough, he raised himself up from the dead. And if that wasn't enough, then he went like, and he went up to heaven. I mean, if Christianity is anything, it's supernatural, is it not? I mean, just think of this story, but, but so many times we look at the story of Jesus and it seems unrelatable to us. And I believe it's because we haven't seen the Holy Spirit at work in the church. I have a little cartoon I want to show you. It's a profound theological truth, okay? This is like my favorite cartoon, okay? So let's put the cartoon up now. I know it's kind of pixelated. You see Jesus yet? Behind the curtain? Listen, this, this cartoon actually articulates a very powerful truth. God is just waiting for us to say yes to him so that we can have powerful encounters with him. He's there waiting. He's in every church. He wants to meet with us. He's hanging out in our living rooms behind the curtains. He can't wait to meet with us, to pour his spirit out us in greater measure. That's his promise. That's his hope. That's what he desires. And, um, you know, although I was raised in the church, like I said, I never really um, met the Lord in a powerful way. I actually had to meet the Lord outside of the church. So we're going to hop into the scriptures in a minute. But I want to start with a little bit of my story. I, I had to meet Jesus outside of church. I went to a summer camp, and this was the first time I really heard the message of the gospel articulated in a clear way, and it was in a funny summer campy kind of way. It was a skit involving the characters from Wayne's World, okay? And uh, they were singing a song written by Queen, but anyway, God uses anything. And then they all die in a car wreck, and they go up to heaven, and anyway, that's how they preach the gospel in this drama. And I got scared of hell, and so I said, oh, I, I don't want to do that, so God, will you accept me, please? And I remember staring at my bunk that night, just like terrified, and, and wanting to meet Jesus. Well, I think God would have heard that prayer. But, um, you know, I didn't have a church where I was discipled, where people taught me about salvation, where people taught me about the good news of Jesus. So after that, I kind of went my own way. And, but I always wanted something spiritual. I always wanted something real. And so I looked. I was a seeker. And, and I looked throughout, you know, history. I would read different books. I got involved in different isms and philosophies and um, founded some philosophy clubs in high school. and just was trying to find truth. And... I got a hold of some books in the 60s and 70s that said, hey, if you, if you do drugs, then you'll have a real spiritual experience, which is true, but it's not the experience you want to have, okay? See me after the service. So, actually, see Kelly after the service. No, just kidding. So, um, so, so, I started to have these experiences, but I found myself emptier and emptier. You know, I remember one night coming off of a party and of a, using some drugs and just shaking in my bed, just kind of staring into the nothingness, staring into the abyss, feeling empty, feeling angry, and just kind of having this thought that nothing was there, no one was there. You know, that was where my heart was at. Well, I, kind of like Jesus behind, behind the curtains, Jesus was waiting for me, but it wasn't behind the curtains, it was in a bathroom. I was at a friend's, uh, I was at a friend's house at a party, and we were, you know, doing drugs and partying and stuff, and uh, I spilled something on myself, and if you know me, I can be a little clumsy, and so I, this happens, and so 
Anyway, so I go to the bathroom to kind of get myself together. And um, in the bathroom, I look in the mirror, and I, I don't know how to describe it, but just a presence just filled the bathroom. So the presence of God. I could feel his sweet, his tender, his purifying presence. Maybe, maybe for the first time in that kind of a way. And just looked in the mirror, and I began to cry. And um, God just spoke to my heart. You know, I didn't, haven't heard God like this before, but he said, Kendall, this isn't the life that I have for you. And uh, I didn't know what to say, but I, I, I left the bathroom a different person. <laughs> I, I walked out of that party. I walked away from new age stuff and drug stuff and other stuff I was involved in. I started an accountability group the next week. We started to walk together and do outreach and discipleship. It was awesome. The Holy Spirit started to work in my life. And I know I'm kind of throwing a crazy story here on you at the beginning of this sermon, but Man, if you don't know Jesus, today's a great day. And every service today, uh, just in the 10 a.m. service, five or six people just came to the Lord at the end of the service. And, you know, sometimes in life we just have to draw a line in the sand and say, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. And we're going to give you an opportunity to do that at the end of the service. But as we talk about the Holy Spirit and the church, I mean, if the church is anything, it's to be a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. If not, we should just like all go to the Lions Club or something, okay? Because the Holy Spirit is what defines us, what brings us together, what makes this the place where God is moving, the house of God. Acts chapter 2 is perhaps the most seminal chapter in the Bible on the Holy Spirit in the church. So we're going to turn there together. Ushers will have Bibles. They can go through the aisle um, now. And uh, if you want to wave and get a Bible from them, we've gotten a lot of people their first Bible at this church. We love doing that. So just grab one if you need it. Acts chapter 2. Before we read it, I want to relate this to last week. Uh, last week, we talked about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And uh, we, we, the book of Acts, what we're about to read, was written by Luke. Well, there's another book in the Bible written by Luke. Guess what? It's called Luke. Okay, so um, Luke wrote this passage in Luke chapter 3 where he talks about Jesus. And he talks about at the beginning of Jesus' ministry and how the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. Luke describes Jesus' ministry. It's the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He needed to, to show us how to rely on the Holy Spirit. He was baptized, and the Holy Spirit came down upon him. Well, I think it's interesting that at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, we see the Holy Spirit. And then Acts chapter 2 is, is probably the, the passage that describes the most the beginning of the church. And the beginning of Jesus' ministry of the church, what do we also see? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I think God's trying to sell us something that we shouldn't be trying to do things in our own strength, but we should be trying to minister and partner with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's turn to Acts chapter 2 together. Why don't I pray for us as we open our Bibles and just ask God for a fresh word this morning. God, I pray for uh, hungry and open hearts today. God, I pray you'd speak to me. I pray you'd speak to us. I pray, God, that you just sort out the life application from this message. Give every person what they need. God, we come to you with great faith today, believing for a word from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Pentecost was a Jewish festival that happened at the end of the fall harvest. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. 
When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. Moving down to verse 12 because there's some places I can't pronounce. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? This might be a good question for us to ask today. What does it mean? for the Holy Spirit to be at work in the church. Some, however, made fun of them and said they had too much wine. There's some people that will never understand the work of the Holy Spirit, but we want to be seekers that are pursuing the things of God. As we study this passage in Acts chapter 2 today, we're going to see three different things the Holy Spirit does in the life of the church. You might call them three different encounters, three different encounters that the early church had with the Holy Spirit. Three encounters we see in Acts chapter 2. There are three encounters I've experienced in my life and there are three encounters I'm hoping that you will experience in your life as well as the Holy Spirit works in your life in this church. Are you ready? Here's the first encounter, a community encounter, a community encounter. Acts chapter 2, verse 5, just to review. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. I, it's interesting they weren't so bewildered by the sound of this wind. They were bewildered that there are all these languages being spoken. You know, uh, people do not naturally move towards diversity in life. Most people like to be with people that are like them. Like, you might be different, and this is a multi-ethnic church, so we'll have exceptions. But, but generally speaking, that is how people in the world live. They live on a block with other people like them. They are in part of clubs with other people that have the same interests as them, Right? And that's how they get to know other people, through shared interests, shared culture, uh, sometimes ethnicity or language or whatever. Well, whenever you see the Holy Spirit move, what you'll notice is people who are different are drawn together. There's a community encounter that happens as God builds a diverse community. That's what we see in Acts chapter 2. For, and, you know, furthermore, um, you know, people don't just kind of draw together, but then they start really getting real, right? I like Acts 2 verse 44. It says this in the New Living Translation. All the believers met together in one place. Hey, let's just stop there. It'd be great if all of the believers of this church had one place to meet together. Okay. But anyway, moving forward, that's not the purpose of this message. And they shared everything they had. I was meditating on that phrase. They shared everything they had. Um, you know, you think of sharing everything. Of course, Acts chapter 2 talks about sharing finances and uh, sacrificing for others, and when the Holy Spirit's moving, we'll see that. That's a community encounter. You know, but there's other things we can share, and I think one of the main things we can share in life is our story. Um, but perhaps you have people at this church that you felt like you've been able to share your story with, some of the high points, right? I mean, don't we love it when something great happens in our life, telling someone about it, right? That's basically what social media is all about, okay? Um, it's awesome. It's a great way to share and promote and discuss the great things that are going on in life. And um, we, we like to share those glory moments in life. But getting real means we also share the dark side of the story. It means we share our weaknesses. It means we share our disappointments. It means we share our sin and our struggles, um, uh, this is something that we need to do. We need to get real together. And this is a sign that the Holy Spirit is at work. It's a community encounter. James 5, verse 16 says it this way. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. 
Of course, God can heal, for, heal us and transform our lives any way he wants to, right? But for us to move, when we humble ourselves in front of another person and are vulnerable. He seems to, to like humility. He seems to honor that sharing. He seems to honor our getting real. There's something that happens because, you know, the Bible discusses that we are a body of Christ. So other people in your life, oftentimes they're Jesus in disguise. God is using them to speak into your life and transform you. He's wanting to have community encounters. This is a big part of what happened to my life in college when the Holy Spirit started to work in my life. If you missed last week, I shared kind of a, a story about a vision I had in college, in my dorm room while I was fasting. And it was very dramatic and powerful in my life. Well, um, interestingly enough, although it was dramatic and powerful, my whole life did not change after that experience. Are you with me? So I still had struggles, and I needed community. I remember the first life group I went to because it was a Thanksgiving party, and the food was really good. Um, I do not remember the second life group, but I remember the third life group. Okay, there's something i got to tell you about the third life group. My life group leader was from Arkansas. Now, I have 30 cousins in Arkansas, and no, they're not all related in other ways. Okay, but I have a big family. We're from Arkansas, so I get Arkansas, okay? But I just need you to understand a little bit. This isn't something we ask people to do at our life groups, and please don't do it at life group. But he looked around in kind of that Arkansas Duck Dynasty look, and he said, yeah, there's about 40 people at this life group. He said, somebody here has some sin they need to confess. And he said it about like that. Yeah, and we just, please don't do that. But uh, I don't know if you've ever been in this kind of situation where someone needs to respond to something, and you start feeling that pit in your stomach, then you start feeling hot, then you start to sweat, and then, well, that was me, and so then I started thinking about that story in the Bible where God opens up the earth and he swallows people, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's me, I need to share, and so, yeah, I just shared, I mean, and I just opened my life, and I talked about some different traumatic things that had happened in my past, how they had affected me, and... Um, the pain I was dealing with, the anxiety that it caused, the panic attacks and issues and just the depression and the despair. and I just got, I just got it out there. And um, I started sharing, and then I started repenting about my, my part in all of it and how I had contributed to this brokenness. And, um, yeah, I don't really know what happened. I don't know how long I shared. All I know is kind of like the next memory I have is everyone has left the life group. And um, I was kind of on the ground on my knees, and I'd been crying, and my tears were all mixed up in the gross college carpet. And for some reason, everything had fallen out of my pockets. I still don't understand how that happened. <laughs> so I, I kind of came to, I was vulnerable, I was tender, but let me tell you something, I was free. I, you know, I learned something that day. It's a spiritual truth. If you can't talk about it, it owns you. If you can't talk about it, it owns you. And because I was willing to confess it to other people, of course, for us, it doesn't maybe need to be a whole group, but there needs to be someone in your life that you can bring things to. There needs to be someone in your life that you can go to and say, hey, I'm dealing with this. Hey, I did this. Hey, this thing is my past. Can you pray for me so I can be free? Of course, we don't need a mediator between us and God. You don't have to go at confession booth, but something happens powerfully when we are willing to be vulnerable. It's a community encounter. Amen. Yeah, if you can't talk about it, it owns you. Um, think of a, 
I was preaching this message in Boston, Massachusetts last February, and it was like super cold. So anyway, this guy came in off the street, and um, I, I, was, I was just sharing. He was in the back of this church in this young people's event, and, and um, uh, at the end of the message, he came up, and he was on his knees, and the, the group began to pray for him, and, and he began to share some things that had happened in his life. Like 20, 25 years earlier, he'd been involved in some crime. He'd been involved in some gruesome, violent crime. He'd been involved in a murder. And he was homeless and living on the street, but he came to this church saying, hey, would, would God accept me? And you know what? They led him to Christ, and I think they also tried to walk him through a restoration process of contacting authorities and everything after that. But regardless of the consequences of that event, he became spiritually free in that moment. And Jesus accepted him. He accepted a thief on the cross. He accepted Paul, who used to be Saul. He accepted Moses, who was a murderer. God accepted him. When we're willing to get our life out there and be vulnerable in other people, God can transform us. There's no limit. There's no one he won't use, but we have to get real, and we have to get free in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you can't talk about it, it owns you. I, I really wanted to be free of sexual temptation. As a young man, that was a big struggle, and, and I had another guy I was walking with, and so we thought, we're going to figure this out. And uh, this might seem a little intense to you, but I was desperate. And so uh, every night for two years, we would meet, and we'd ask each other these five questions. We'd say, did you spend time with God today? First question. Number two, did you have lustful thoughts? Number three, did you act on those thoughts in any way? Number four, did you, like, you know, have an outward focus, bless people, and serve them, and tell them about Jesus? And number five, did you do anything else stupid you just need to bring up right now? And that number five really got me a few times. Um, but listen, you know what? It took some time. I had good days. I had bad days. He had good days and bad days. But we got free. We got free. Because there's a power in just taking the word of God for what it is and believing for freedom when we confess and are vulnerable. Community encounter. We see in Acts chapter 2, people getting real, people getting honest, people getting vulnerable. In Acts chapter 4, as the Holy Spirit's moving from the church, it says this, repent so that times of refreshing can come from the Lord. Listen, we don't need to fear God when we repent in in the sense that he's going to like smite us, right? His wrath already fell upon Jesus, Of course, we need to have a healthy fear and respect of God because he's sovereign, immutable, and he can do anything. But in those moments, I'm all about joyful repentance. I'm like, God, you got me. You got my number. I'm here. Can we just deal with it and move on, please? I want to be free. That's God's heart for us. That's what God wants. Community encounters. Truth encounters. The next encounter we see here in Acts chapter 2, we see it in various ways, but I want to highlight this particular moment. I like to put myself in the stories of the Bible. You know, I just think, what would I have thought if I was one of these people in this upper room? You know, we're just kind of gathered, praying. Maybe we knew something about Jesus, but all of a sudden a wind fills the room. Like, they didn't have AC back then, right? So I don't know what they thought. Um, And then fire, you know, appears over people's heads, you know. Um, that's interesting. And then people start speaking other languages. I mean, that's pretty out there. That's crazy stuff. I find it really interesting how Peter, the apostle Peter, who founded the early church, responds to this event. This is, this is fascinating. This is how he responds to this supernatural moment. It says this in Acts 2, 14. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. 
Peter must have been a good preacher because he stood up and he raised his voice and he knew how to preach, right? I think it's very interesting. And he begins to preach to them from the word of God. He says, fellow Jews and all of you live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Or maybe we could say it's only 11 o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock service. Okay. No, this was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. All people. That's a good word. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I will pour out my spirit on all people. That's a quote from the book of Joel. He begins to preach and articulate the word of God. He goes through speaking to these Hebrew people, preaching through the Old Testament, telling them different things about God that they need to know according to their culture. And then he reads verse 21. This is perhaps the, one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible. Acts 2.21 that says this, And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I think that's amazing. And everyone, he goes on to tell them about the good news of salvation. You know, when the Holy Spirit's showing up, people are going to be coming to meet Jesus in new and profound ways. And then to make sense of it all, he continues to articulate how to know Jesus. And, and then I think this is amazing. And in verse 37, the response of the people that were there. These are the people that saw the wind. These are the people that, well, they didn't see, they saw the effects of the wind. These are the people that, they saw tongues of fire appearing over people's heads. They were hearing all these languages. But after Peter preaches, this is what happens. It says in Acts 2.37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. The word of God is like a surgeon's scalpel. It comes in and gets us exactly where we need to be touched. And it said to Peter and the other apostles, what, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They had a truth encounter. The word of God was preached to them in a powerful way. They were cut to the heart and they were transformed. They ask this question, what must we do to be saved? (laughs) Brothers, what shall we do? 2005, I had the opportunity to graduate college, and I feel like God was directing me to go on a a mission trip overseas. And uh, where I felt God was directing me to go was the farthest place I could go to. (laughs) So I looked around, and I found this place called Papua. Okay, it used to be called Irian Jaya about 300 miles from Australia, just a little island down in the South Pacific. And uh, we went with the team there and got to work with a guy named Jim Yost, if you've heard of him. But we, we were with him there, and he sent us to another city where he was preparing a new work, where he was preparing to plant a church. And, you know, you read this scripture, you know, people being cut to the heart, asking what they should do, you know. And you think, how does that happen? What does that look like? I, I got to see this with my own eyes. What would happen is we would, we would gather in the morning, just a bunch of, you know, 22, 23-year-olds gathering in a room to pray, worship, and read the Bible. And there were multiple days in a row where people who are walking by our home would walk in the door, fall over, and ask, what must they do to know God? Because the presence and the truth of God was drawing them. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit is present in the church. I tell you what, that kind of ruined me for, like, normal life. <laughs> I got back, and I remember looking at the cereal aisle, just thinking, man, I don't even need cereal. I just need Jesus. <laughs> oh, I'm off the notes, but it feels so good. You know, a truth encounter. I want to tell you about some truth encounters I had in my life. I began to read the book of 1 John, 
in the New Testament, and I hadn't read it before. I thought it was short, a good place to start. Well, 1 John 1, verse 9 talks about, you know, um, if we confess our sins, God is faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I thought, man, I've got some sin I need to confess. So I remember just getting in my apartment and turning up the music so my roommates couldn't hear me and just dealing with God, just like confessing the different sins I'd walked through, the different things I'd seen and heard and felt. And I can tell you at the end of that day, I felt so clean. It was a season of repentance. It was a season of transformation in my life. I got a hold of that verse in 1 John chapter 4 that said, perfect love casts out all fear. And I thought, well, that's a problem because I have fear. I thought, well, what's a fear that I can pinpoint? Because sometimes fear is just kind of general. And I began to reflect and kind of realized, I'm afraid of the dark. And you know what? I had bad dreams a lot of my life, and so it just kind of made sense but, that I'd be afraid of the dark. But it was just an assignment from the enemy. And um, I, I just began to think, how can I be free? And so, you know, as a pastor, I just have to say, please don't repeat my behavior. I was naive, and I just wanted to be free. But sometimes it's the best place to be. But I would say, we can help you be free in different ways, okay? I did not have someone to pray for me and show me how, but I thought I wanted to be free. And so I thought, what's the scariest place I could go to? So anyway... I picked this alley by where my parents live, and I stood there in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. And because I thought that was the scariest time, right? People who are partying are out until 2 a.m. Garbage man shows up at 4. So like 3 a.m., that's the time for weird people. And if you were out at 3 a.m. last night, bless you. Okay, I'm not, whatever, actually go to sleep. Okay, so, so there I was. Again, like, we'll just pray for you at the end. You don't need to do this. But, um, you know, the Bible says he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And I closed my eyes. You know what I learned that day was the spirit of fear really is like a spirit. And um, man, I don't know if you've been in one of these scenarios where you were just immobilized by fear. Just kind of can't talk, you can't move. It's just a pressure that you feel even just physically on your body. And it was like immediately that's how it felt. But I knew that I needed to have a truth encounter. And so I just began to declare the word of God. I said, God did not give me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. God did not give me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. God did not give me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And something in my heart just rose up. And I don't know whether it was five minutes or 45. It was probably about 15, I guess. But after just a season, I can just tell you that thing broke over my life that day. And, and in some ways, I was baptized in confidence. <laughs> it was an amazing experience. But man, what would you do if you had no fear? Yeah, just God, give us truth encounters. Set us free, Lord. You know, uh, John eight thirty two. Jesus said it this way. If you know the truth, well, I'll read it. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus said the truth would set us free. So if we're not free, we either need more truth if we're not free, we either need more truth or we don't know the truth yet. But we got to get free. Amen? Yeah, that's what Jesus said. I think you can take it to the bank. My wife and I had a powerful truth encounter in our lives. We had been through a very dark season, a time of really just being overwhelmed with despair. And it would be too long to get into all of it. But it was in 2009, and it was just a very dark time. And uh, we were in Orlando, Florida. Uh, at, a, at an event, and one of my mentors was there. And he said, hey, I'd love to pray with you. I know you're having a kind of a dark time, and we'd just love to get in your corner and get behind you. So we said, great. So mentor's name is Joe. He's from Scotland. And 
so we, he's on our board as a church, and, uh, and um, we, we got together, and we were just in a hotel room in Orlando, Florida, and he said, well, what's going on? So we kind of shared our tragic story, and he said, well, let me pray for you. Now, Joe has a very interesting prayer style. Um, caveat, this is a little bit of a sensational story, okay? But I want you to think about the truth uh, that God spoke and the fruit of what happened, okay? So the Bible talks about, uh, let me just introduce you to this conversation. The Bible talks about the gift of tongues, okay? First Corinthians 12, we learn about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Just like in Acts chapter two that we just read, it says there will be times when the Holy Spirit comes upon people and they will speak in other tongues. It's very interesting, it's very strange. Um, you know, maybe just to add some credibility, on that trip to Indonesia I was at, I actually heard an Indonesian speak in English that the Holy Spirit empowered them to do, could not speak in English before. And it was a message for me because I was detained by the police for the next, in the next day. So um, God is still doing these things. They're sensational. We don't have to understand them. But 1 Thessalonians 5 says we should test everything. Of course, we want to be biblical. But it also says not to despise prophecy, not to forbid speaking in tongues. And so he, anyway, he was speaking in tongues. And I didn't know what he was doing because I didn't have the gift to interpret what he had prayed. But so we just sat there. We sat there for five minutes, kept praying. We sat there for 10 minutes. He kept praying. At about 12 minutes, I checked out. He started praying at 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, 35 minutes. Now I wanted to jump out the window. 40 minutes. I'm staring at the clock. Okay, the hour will be over soon. 45 minutes. And then he stopped. Well, what I didn't know was at the beginning of his time of prayer, my wife you know, had been in a dark season, and she heard God spoke to her for the first time in just a long, long time. And in her mind, she saw a windmill. And God just spoke to her heart and said, you are this windmill, just be, I'll blow. Just, and it was just healing her, just like this ministry from the Lord, and I didn't know what was going on. I was just kind of there to stare at the window, I guess. And so, <laughs> 45 minutes in, Joe looks up at my wife, Shelly, and he says, I see a windmill. And he begins to speak the truth of the Bible into her life and to prophesy strength and hope over our marriage. And listen, you, you may not agree or understand, or I, I definitely didn't understand at the time, but let me tell you something. She changed that day. I call her Shelly 2.0 now. And um, it, was, it brought an amazing transformation in our lives. Um, I, I don't understand it, but I want it because it's the Holy Spirit. Amen? Yeah. You know, um, yeah, you can clap. I was clapping. <laughs> Community encounter, truth encounter. The last encounter we see in Acts chapter 2 called a power encounter. Power encounter. The Holy Spirit is touching people with power in all kinds of different ways in Acts chapter 2. You know, in Acts 4, it says they're enabled to speak in tongues. There's an example. Acts, uh, Acts 2 verse 4. Acts 2 15, they're described as drunk, you know, staggering around. It's like God is touching their bodies in some way. Acts 2.17, there's the power of dreams and visions. But this verse is probably the one that sticks out to me the most. Acts 2, verse 43, if we could look at that. It says this. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. I tell you what, when God's power starts transforming lives, it fills me with awe. I hope it fills you with awe. We love that at this church, where God is transforming people's lives. It, we're filled with awe. This morning, I was filled with awe. 
at the beginning of every uh, service, uh, excuse me, every Sunday, we gather as a leadership team, we share testimonies. So these are the testimonies from just this week, okay, that some of our training school, School of Transformation students were sharing. So last Sunday, I heard a, a story of some college students that have been wrestling, and one of them had a dislocated shoulder. Well, as he received prayer in our service, this church, last Sunday, his arm, he was able to move it all the way up, and he got full rotation back. I can tell you, he was probably thankful. He was in awe of God that he had been healed. Uh, we have a student in our day school of transformation who um, a number of years ago had a failed eye surgery. And um, she, you know, lost, lost some vision. And uh, we've been praying for her throughout the course of the year. In October, she was prayed for and something changed, but it just wasn't quite better. Well, yesterday, our, our students were together and they were sharing some testimonies. And I don't understand this. Maybe you can make sense of it. But as they were sharing testimonies of God healing other people, her eyesight came back. And it was restored. She was in the 10 o'clock service, waving at the back. I mean, this happened yesterday, okay? I was in awe of God. Uh, one, of our, one of my friends, Jeff, he, he led a family member to Christ over Skype last night. I thought that was awesome. Uh, some of our team was out in Ocean Beach praying for people. And I don't really know how it happened, but people were calling them physician's assistants because so many people were getting healed. Anyway, you figure that out. And uh, another one of my friends saw his first healing this week, someone of staying out of town, was in his house and I hurt and injured something and prayed for them and they were healed. All those were shared just this morning. I was in awe of God. It was a rich time. You know, I don't know why God always doesn't heal people, but I love it when he does. If you're a doctor, I'm so thankful for you. Dennis, whatever, man, we need you too. And I definitely go to doctors. This isn't an either or thing. But I'm in awe of God when his power touches people's lives and transforms them. Truth encounter power encounter, community encounter, power, community encounter, truth encounter, and power encounter. That's how we experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our church. That's how we experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I just want to ask you, have you had an experience where you have felt changed by the power of God? Have you had an experience where you could tell the power of God came upon you and you could do something you hadn't done before? I had an experience like that. When I was in college, and I didn't fully understand it, but after that, I can tell you, I led my first person to Christ. It was a really cool story. It was a clown in a park in Mexico. He was crying, his clown makeup. It was amazing. There was another clown that had been praying for that clown to become a Christian. Okay, God has a funny sense of humor, but these are the kind of things that happen when we are touched and filled with the power of God. Amen? Do you want to be a church that's full of the Holy Spirit? Let's stand up. You know, I just have one aim this morning, and it's just to stoke your faith, okay? It's just to stoke your faith, for you to receive more of the Holy Spirit in your life, but also to stoke our faith as a people. You know, the thing I just long for is that as a church, we have such a culture of faith where people come in our gatherings, they come in our discipleship, they come in our small groups, and things that happen in their life that were previously impossible because the grace of God falls upon them and changes them. Amen? That's what we want to be. And so I know we're still getting set up back here, but I just want to invite you. Will you open up your hands? And I just want to ask us to begin to pray. Will you just pray for a gift of faith to see the Holy Spirit begin to move in our church. You can pray with somebody next to you if you feel comfortable, but could we just ask the Holy Spirit to come and move? So I encourage you, use your voice, pray a little bolder. Come on, let's press in for the things of the Spirit, these power encounters, these truth encounters, these community encounters. Come on.